The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> it's probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, back for the second week in a row after a long hiatus, Jacob Padilla. Jacob, hello. How are you? Must mean it's basketball season, finally. Or that I agreed with so much of what you said last week that I just need to have you on again so that I can agree with you again and make myself look smarter. Or you just forgot to find a guest this week. And it's like, hey, Jacob, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it was not the last one. I can guarantee <laughs> you that. I can promise you it was not the last one. Um, Nebraska basketball, men's basketball, held an exhibition against Peru State Wednesday night. And that was the first look we got at this brand new Nebraska basketball team. It's, it's Fred Hoiberg version 3.0 or Hoiball version 3.0. No. Um, no? Okay. No. I'll keep no. trying. Um, first time fans were in the stands at Pinnacle Bank Arena in over 600 days. So pretty, uh, you know, you, you want to kind of be measured in what you take away from an exhibition against a team like Peru State. But also, you know, kind of a, a cool moment to have fans back in the stands, to have uh, Bryce McGowan's on the court for the first time in a Nebraska uniform. So there's some things that we can talk about there. So this is going to be a basketball specific podcast. If you guys are interested in a Purdue preview, which Nebraska football plays this weekend, I will direct you towards the I-80 preview podcast with Brandon Bogle, where he has a wonderful breakdown as he does every week of Nebraska's opponent this week. It's Purdue. Um, so head on over to that, wherever you listen to podcasts, give him a, uh, a hit the subscribe button give him a review and listen to that podcast. Also, Jacob has his own podcast with Damon Benning, the Nebraska preps post game show that comes out every week. Listen to that as well. It's really good. Um, Greg Smith has a straight up breakdown podcast. Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin have the mind your own podcast. And that completes the uh, infinity gauntlet of, of Hale varsity podcasts for everybody to enjoy. So make sure that you are listening to all of that. Make sure you subscribe to the website, hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe. So you can get all the premium content that you want. Jacob, is your is your basketball stuff going to be up behind um, the paywall? Is it going to be premium this season? I, I think it's going to be a mix, uh, kind of like we've done with other sports, where um, probably a lot of the press conference stuff, I think, might um, go free. And then some of the more in-depth uh, uh, breakdown, some of the feature-type stuff, probably put up behind the paywall. So definitely would definitely be uh, worth your uh, time and money to uh, subscribe. Well, yeah, I say this not because I, I work with you and because I have you on this podcast, but I mean it. Um, Jacob is going to provide basketball analysis and coverage at a level that you're just not going to get anywhere else in this market. So, um, yeah, he's, wait, he's right. Wait, are, are you saying that nobody else uh, uh, tracked the entire rotation from start to finish of those games and every lineup uh, in an exhibition game against an NAIA team? <laughs> I don't know what, what that did? says about me, but yeah. Um, 
Yeah. This, this is this is the level. This no, I love it. He's holding up a notebook that is just I love it. This is the nuance. This is this is the the esoteric conversations that I want to have with you about basketball. I love it. So we're gonna talk basketball. Um any takeaway, any big takeaways? Like I said, you know, you don't want to get too carried away. Nebraska won 97 to 58. They outscored Peru State 58 to 27 in the second half, closed the game on a 19 to 3 run. Um, we got our first look at guys like Alonzo Verge, at the McGowan's brother, the younger McGowan's brother, um, the Steph Curry lookalike that has invaded Pinnacle Bank Arena. Um, and I'm, I'm, yes, I'm using that because I don't know how to say his last name. So I'm going to need Jacob's help on that. And then, you know, a couple of other guys that have added, been added to the team. Jacob, do you have any like big takeaways from this or is this just kind of like, oh, well, it's nice. Let's, let's see what you guys look like against real competition. First Kese Tomenaga. Thank you. So that's uh, not too difficult there. Um, yeah, I guess. So two main takeaways. One is on the rotation, just kind of what we were talking about here and, the fact that Hoiberg went with uh, nine guys basically uh, until we got to the second half of the second half when he started getting a lot of different guys in there. Um, didn't include Kobe Webster, didn't include Eduardo Andre. And Hoiberg said he's got uh, 11, 12 guys that he feels like he could go out there and play as part of the regular rotation. And, and narrowing that down was going to be his toughest task this season. And it, obviously, again, we, we, he's still got another exhibition coming up against a, another high major opponent to continue to experiment in a couple of weeks of practice. Um, but uh, he, he went with a, a nine-man rotation that, that saw Wilhelm Breidenbach, the freshman, as the backup five. We didn't see him play any four uh, in, with the, that first group. And then um, uh, Keon Edwards, the transfer from DePaul, is kind of played the, the backup four role, uh, role for the most part. Um, so he was kind of, he was a guy that we didn't get to see at the pro day. Uh, he was sidelined for that event. So, and he played five games, a total of like 14 minutes or something at the Paul, because he was a original 2021 recruit who reclassified and enrolled at DePaul right before the season. So he even said like, it, it was a grind, like he basically had to go through an entire off season in season at the Paul and he just never really got on the court. So he was a complete wild card to me. And he goes out there and knocks down all four of his threes, looks pretty darn good, scores 12 points, really smooth stroke. And he does give you a little bit of flexibility. He can play the three or the four. Um, looks like they, they kind of like him as that backup four behind Latman and to, to maintain the, uh, the versatility on offense of that group. So, um, And then, obviously, you, you've got all the uh, – C.J. Wilcher, Troy McGowans, um, Alonzo Verge Jr., and Kese Tomonaga is kind of the guards. Uh, that's rotation there. So um, that, that was number one takeaway, just kind of who, who got the first chance to play and what the rotation looked like. And then the second one would be Alonzo Verge and just the playmaking ability, the chemistry he apparently already has with Derek Walker. And that's something like when we talked to him during the photo shoot day uh, that Walker mentioned like how great a chemistry he has, the way that Verge uh, just keeps finding him in the pick and roll within their practices and uh, their open gyms and stuff. And we saw that as soon as he checked in, he found uh, Walker on four straight possessions, I believe for three buckets and a trip to the foul line. So right away we saw it in action. And um, I think that'll be a big part of Nebraska's offense this year, where last year it really wasn't. <laughs> Delano Banton did some, some pick and roll stuff and it was pretty good at it for the most part, especially feeding the roll man out of the pick and roll 
it was way down the list of play types, both in effectiveness and um, in, in volume for Nebraska last year, when you look at kind of their synergy, synergy breakdown. And I think with a, a playmaker like uh, Verge, uh, that'll kind of allow Walker to be more effective as that role man and allow that to be a bigger part of Nebraska's offense. Funny because I've been watching Toronto Raptors and Delano Benton's been doing some of that stuff with the Raptors. He's got he's got a rotation role early on in his NBA career, which is kind of cool. My dog agrees with me. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the rotation thing first, and, and then we'll get to Verge in a second. So the the big interest is Kobe Webster, who, like you said, he played seven minutes in the exhibition. Um, if he's not part of the nine man rotation right now, that is certainly interesting because last year for Nebraska. He appeared in 27 games. He averaged 23 minutes in those 27 games. And in terms of shots per 40 minutes, he was second on the team in rotations. And in the rotation, he was second on the team in shots per 30. So he was a a guy that was part of not just the rotation, but part of the offense last season. Why would he not be in the rotation this year? What's your take on that? Um, Well, for one thing, um, so what he brings to this team at this level, obviously he was an on-ball player at Western Illinois, um, kind of a high-volume guy. Last year, he was much more of an off-ball, kind of catch-and-shoot type of guy. And uh, he shot the ball really well last year. He's over 40% if you take January on after he kind of adjusted to playing at this level. But he's six foot and not necessarily a dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands. Uh, again, much more of a four spacer than a, a pure point guard at this level. And so, yeah, only, only 2.2 assists per 40 minutes. Yeah. He's not, and, he's not creating. And, and, and you can get out there and you can be re- reliable enough to get you into the, the half court sets and uh, make decent decisions with the ball and that kind of stuff. But he, he's out there mostly to, to get buckets, to, to get shots. And he's six foot. You got Tominaga coming in with uh, that release. And what he's done at the junior college level, he's a little bit bigger. You've got CJ Wilcher, who's 6'5", who they brought in to be a shooter as well. And so that's kind of where the, the numbers crunch happens, where you've, uh, unless you're going at full 10-man rotation and playing all three of those guards off the bench, um, then it's going to be hard to, to for all three of those guys to have a role. And that was one of my biggest questions going in, because I, I wondered, all right, who's going to be the odd man out here? And I thought that Nebraska, that Hoiberg would be, um, it would be in his best interest to stagger Trey McGowan's and Alonzo Verge quite a bit. And that's what we saw. Um, One of them was on the court at all times until he went uh, until the last eight minutes when he sent Webster in and started getting some of the deeper bench guys in there. So that's what we saw. And um, if, if Trey and Alonzo are going to split the the point guard duties, and then you can get Tominaga and Welcher as the guards off the bench or, I, uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of Hoiberg said it was kind of his decision to not start Verge. You, you wonder um, kind of what led to that because he started the second half and obviously changed the game as soon as he got in there. But that'll be interesting to just kind of continue to follow. Uh, but you, you just, I, you might have better options that bring what Webster does. And at least at the start here, we'll kind of see how the season goes and how uh, and I think that part of two is Hoiberg had an entire season of seeing Webster. He's only had Tominaga and Wilcher in the program for a few months now, so that could be part of it too. In terms, again, he, Hoiberg said, "Hey, 
nothing is locked in at this point. We're still experimenting. Um, we'll see if they have different lineups on Sunday against Colorado, but that could be it as well. So that's going to be, no matter how it shakes out, that's going to be a tough call for him to make this year um, because he's got three guys back there coming off that bench that really can shoot the ball. Verge looks like the main ball handler. Trey McGowan's played a little bit of that role yeah. last year, um, but to, to, to varying degrees of, of effectiveness, maybe yeah. um, 3.3 assists per 40 minutes, 3.2 turnovers per 40 minutes, which is almost dead even, which is not where you want your point guard to be. But um, in the exhibition, he played 21 minutes. He only took one shot. He had five assists to just one turnover. What's the next step for his game? Do you think he's going to be more off ball this season with, with Virgin town, with his brother in town, looking to, to handle more possessions? Um, what, do you, what do you think is the next step? For, or do, I guess, do you think that he continues to be sort of that, that primary um, ball handler, a, a facilitator type? I think he's going to do a little bit of both. I think he, it really looked like in that game that he was trying to run offense, get guys involved, kind of settle everybody down, put them in their spots and all that kind of stuff. You can see just kind of, he was trying to play with patience, trying to kind of see the floor. He wasn't forcing the issue too much. Um, and that he said he came to Nebraska to learn to develop as a point guard. And we saw it down the stretch last season um, with Banton struggling. They started to put the ball in his hands a little bit more. And he had four or five assists in like four out of the last five games or so. Um, so I think he had 19 assists down the stretch in the last five games. It might've been. Um, so we, we saw a little bit more from him in that area. I still think he's got to continue to develop if he's going to be that in terms of his ability to uh, recognize more quickly what's happening, seeing open guys, um, reading defenses. Um, and he, he's got to uh, evolve as, as a scorer as well. And uh, in terms of the decision-making when and what type of shot to take, um, he, he took one uh, shot that didn't actually count because of an offensive foul where um, he just kind of tried to force it up through the defender's body, which uh, isn't what you want to see there. And, and then the, the one shot he did take was kind of a, a, a tough shot, shot around the basket. They didn't have the touch to finish either. So um, there's a lot of things he needs to, to polish up there to continue um, stepping into more of that lead playmaker role, but they're going to give him opportunities. And whether it's alongside Verge or um, again, running the show when Verge is on the bench. And I, I think you can do, you can have a mix there too, where I think there's one possession where, uh, Verge kind of drove and kicked it to McGowan's who immediately drove right back in. And that's kind of what you're looking to have when you've got multiple playmakers out there where you've got, you can attack from one side, move the ball, then attack right away as the defense is shifting and um, trying to adjust. So um, I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to see them kind of splitting those ball handling duties. I know uh, Bryce McGowan's ran a few pick and rolls and had a couple of nice plays for others, um, even though he couldn't get his own shot to fall very much. Um, so I think we're going to continue to see kind of them splitting the ball handling duties throughout the game uh, and just kind of what McGowan's is doing, uh, Trey, that is, will depend on who he's sharing the court with. So this exhibition game was perfect in that a, a big piece of Bryce McGowan's excitement was that he is a three-level scorer who is just a bucket. He can get his, he can get a shot. He goes two for eight, oh for four from beyond the three-point line. Alonzo Verge comes in and he was the highlight factory of the night at Arizona state. He was a career 41% shooter from the field, 31% shooter from three. He goes seven for 10, two for two from beyond the three point line. He scores 20 points in 21 minutes. So 
with Verge specifically, because I, you know, I think Fred has been telling everyone, hey, it's going to take Bryce McGowan's time for him to get comfortable with this this kind of game. But with Verge, what are you, you going to get? What do you think we're going to get from this guy? 20 points in 21 minutes and, and really good shooting? Or is it more likely that he's he's still kind of the shooter that he was at Arizona State? Where do you expect the improvement to be? Well, uh, it wasn't just the 20 points he scored. He also assisted 20 points. Yeah, he had eight assists as well. He, he, had four, he created 40, and that doesn't even include getting a couple of guys to the foul line. Uh, he had 40 points on 38 possessions in 21 minutes. <laughs> Dude made plays when he was out there almost every single time he touched the ball. And that's, I think that's what they're going to rely on him to do. He's going to be the guy with the ball in his hands a lot. He's going to be running a lot of those pick and rolls. Um, for the most part, I thought his decision-making was pretty solid. Um, there was one uh, pull-up, uh, his second stint back uh, in the game. He was awesome in the first stint. And then the second stint came back in and, outside of one charge where he uh, got the ball out of his hands a little bit late, trying to kick to the corner as the guy held in or helped in. Um, that was his only turnover in the first half. And then he came back in in the first possession, first time he touched the ball, uh, pull up their step back jumper from the elbow with 19 on the shot clock that he did not make. That's the kind of shot that they don't need him taking. Um, and that we know that Fred Hoiberg really doesn't want to see. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the blend that he talked about of you don't want to inhibit guys' instincts, but you also want to continue to stress the importance of what you're trying to do and what a good and a bad shot is for this team. And then the, the, the first three probably wasn't a great look either uh, in transition, kind of pull up, um, but he knocked it down. And the second one was off a skip pass, catch and shoot wide open from the corner. That was a really good look. So there was uh, two or three plays that I thought, yeah, there, there's kind of the old Alonzo Verge that you're wondering, um, is this going to be a 39.1% shooter um, like he was last year at Arizona State, which is coincidentally the exact same thing that Trey McGowan shot last year. Um, but he, he, for, again, the competition level notwithstanding, I thought he made a lot of good decisions. He, he, he made the right plays. He was patient in the pick and roll. He attacked switches. Um, he put the passes on the money um outside of one or two so he, he had a really solid debut and if he continues to play like that just in terms of the mix of past it uh, past the shot ratio and the kind of shots he was taking for the most part nebraska have a chance to be pretty solid this year if that's the guy they're getting now we'll see once the defense gets tougher can he create the same kind of looks um will he settle into more difficult looks because of he's being defended better that's what we don't know yet but um, I think you have to be pretty excited about what you saw uh, in, in game one. Is this a team with more length and versatility than the ones Fred has had in his previous two years? A little bit. I think we're continuing to add the combination of size and like the mobility and athleticism and ability to play. Um, I mean, Bryce at six, seven, it's a long wing there. Mm-hmm. Um, Keon Edwards uh, about six, seven or so as well um, as kind of a, tweener three four combo type of guy gives you some versatility to play either spot um you can go with wilhelm breidenbach at the four at 610 uh alongside a Derek walker or an eduardo andre um if you need to i I think he's skilled enough um uh, we'll see kind of how when nebraska does match up with some of the the bigger front lines do they try to match up that way or do they try to just win with small ball we'll see um but I definitely think he's got more options because even a guy like um, 
like CJ Walter at 6'5", uh, kind of a bigger body guard um, is a little bit different than just having Kobe Webster as the, the shooter off the bench. Um, so de- definitely, I think we'll see how the pieces continue to, to fit together, but he, he's got kind of roster that he can play a few different types of lineups, depending on what the opponent is throwing at him. I want to ask you about expectations. So there was, I don't want to, I don't want to call anybody out, but there was a very goofy column written recently um, by someone who is a staunch frost defender in the crux of the column w- was basically asking, why is there not more heat on Fred Hoiberg for underperforming in his first two years? There should be expectations right now. So Hoiberg is 14 and 44 as Nebraska's basketball coach in his first two seasons. The big 10 record is what it is. Um, for one, I think it's, it's absurd to suggest that there aren't expectations on the program. And Fred sort of shadily in a press conference said they did have expectations. I'm curious uh, what Trev Albert's answer to that question would be, but Jacob, I'm going to ask you where, where do you think um, this team should be come seasons end? like what, what, what is reasonable to expect from them? What's realistic for them this season? It, that's some, that's a question that I've really been struggling with. I tried to address it in uh, my column on Wednesday this week. So you can kind of look for my longer form thoughts there, but it, it's, it's really hard to go from back-to-back seven win last place uh, finishes uh, to making and winning a game in the NCAA tournament. Right. But at the same time, you look at this team and the way it's built and who's on it there's a very good chance that the entire starting five is gone next year. Uh, Bryce McGowan's is already popping up on first round uh, mock drafts. Um, we'll see kind of how his freshman season develops and um, what he turns into. And Alonzo Burge is definitely gone. He's a super senior. And then you've got the other three guys, uh, Trey McGowan's, Derek Walker and Lat Mayen, who are in their fifth year of college. And they've got the opportunity to come back if they want it next year. But six years of college is a lot for anybody. And um, these guys will have their degrees. Um, I mean, Trey it has his season to play alongside Bryce this year. Maybe if Bryce comes back for a second year, then we get another year of Trey, but um, there, all or most of these guys could be gone next year. I mean, Derek Walker would be 24 if he came back next year. Um, so there's just a, a lot of questions about, all right, so this, this is the team. Now you've got to be able to capitalize on this. Uh, in order to continue the, the, the trajectory that you want to be on, where you just brought in the best recruiting class in school history, at least um, since the advent of the recruiting websites. And um, so what, what are you able to do with that? How can you build off that? And if you go out and have a, a, another seller finish in the Big Ten, then the questions start to, because last year, th- there were so many reasons for why they finished the way they did. And um, I, I think it's disappointing for Hoiberg um, the way it went out, the way it kind of went down in the, the final record. But you also, with all the COVID concerns and the, the, the brutal schedule and how good the Big Ten was last year, um, I, I think it's understandable. But the question is that that's gone now. All those excuses are gone. This year, this is year three. This is a roster that you've been building towards. We talked about this for the first time has the versatility to match up with teams. I think it's for the first time. It's a team that should be on paper, at least be able to play the way that Hoiberg wants to play and have success doing it. So 
you've got to figure out, all right, what does success look like for this team where you're going from last place to the pick to finish 11th, which is a significant improvement from where they've been the last two years. But would you be satisfied with that? I don't think most fans would be, and I don't think Hoiberg would be either. So where is that threshold where you clear it and you feel good? Um, I mean, barring the, uh, obviously you win an NCAA tournament, you're going to be ecstatic. But anything short of that, where is that level that you would feel would satisfy you as a fan, you as the coach of this team, that would help you feel good about where this program is going forward? Is it an NC or NIT uh, bid? Is it making just a postseason, finishing above 500? That's kind of where I settled in. Like, I think that's got to be where you, you look at. And then anything on top of that is kind of a bonus and would have you ahead of schedule. Um, but if I think answering the mailbag this week, uh, somebody asked, uh, shout out to Matt. Um, I think, is it? No. I don't know. Uh, there's a few, a few different people, but uh, I forget now who asked the question. Might have been Brandon. Uh, I don't know. Um, anyway, ask uh, kind of what are you looking at to judge that? And I, I pointed to like a top 75 Ken Palm finish um, because generally if you're in that range, you're kind of in the mix as a bubble team, NIT team. Um, and Nebraska starting at 80. They finished at 109th last year. They're 160-something. Uh the, the year before. So you finished top 75, top 70 in Kempom this year. I think you feel good about moving forward. Um, so it, it's kind of, it, it's that weird spot where you've got to be able to continue the upward trajectory um, to show that, Hey, we can get it done here. But it, I think it would, it would be unrealistic to expect them to go win a few games in the NCAA tournament, but you also would feel cheated if you bring in this, the special team uh, in terms of the guys coming back, the, the talented newcomers that might not be here that long. And if all you get out of it is a 11th place, a 10th place finish in the big 10 and no postseason, then it kind of leaves you with some questions. So I, you mentioned this team can play the way Hoiberg wants to play. If they're going to be good, they're going to be able to play the way Hoiberg wants to play. The, one of the big issues last year was they just couldn't score the ball efficiently. Um, true shooting percentage. So 347 teams played division one basketball last year. Nebraska was 273 in true shooting percentage and 293 in offensive rating. So 274 in true shooting percentage, excuse me. I want to be perfectly accurate. <laughs> um, they just couldn't score the ball efficiently. So what, what what's the biggest area of improvement for this team, not just individuals, but the team that will translate to winning basketball, playing the way Fred wants to play and sort of accomplishing some of the goals that, that we know that they're setting for themselves. Putting the ball in the hole. It's that simple. Um, honestly, you look at the last two teams and Hoiberg's done a good job. Uh, you've had some guys that kind of freelance here and there. Obviously turnovers were an issue last year, but you look at their shot profile and I think Hoiberg has been happy with the general um, pro shot profile of where their distribution of where their shots are coming from. A lot at the rim, a lot of threes. That's the way he wants to play. That's the, the smart way to play the game these days. And his teams have for the most part done that. The decision-making hasn't always been great. Uh, that first year they got blocked a ton. Um, last year, maybe some of the threes they took weren't the best threes. Um, 
And again, same thing where uh, some of the shots at the rim were kind of forced, but um, they just, they had, they had a lot of good looks last year too, that just wouldn't go in. So you go out and look at uh, that exhibition yesterday and it shoot 11 for 22 from three. Um, Tominaga two for four, Keon Edwards, three for three, uh, Trevor Lakes, two for two, who may or may not even be in the rotation at some point this year. Lonzo Verge, two for two, which I don't know that you can ex- count on that, but um, he'll, he'll, he can at least make them every now and then. Latman, one for three. Um, CJ Wiltshire, one for two. Like, you got a lot of guys that you can rely on to hit shots. And Bryce McGowan's an 0 for four, but a few of those were kind of catch that rim, circle around and popped out. They were pretty close. And you, you wouldn't expect him to shoot 0% every game. So um, they've just got a lot of other guys that should be able to put the ball in the basket at a higher rate this year on those perimeter looks. And if that is the case, then it opens up a lot more stuff inside the arc where that pick and roll does become a bigger weapon because now you don't have two or three defenders in the paint every time walkers roll into the rim and you don't have guys just refusing to respect uh, defend or players on the perimeter. So every every drive is contested um, because uh, defenders helping off and, and, and things like that. So now you've got more room for Verge to work. You've got more room for Walker to um, to roll to the rim and finish. Um, and uh, and you've got guys that can knock down shots uh, if you get them open looks. So I, I think that's kind of the biggest difference is uh, these guys com- compared to kind of last. You, you you brought some guys in that you thought could be shooters, but it didn't quite work out. Um, I think. Hoiberg has a higher level of confidence in these guys being able to shoot this year and do it consistently. And to bring it back full circle, if they can, like you just said, that helps out that two-man game between Verge and Walker. And so to see them have um, pretty good chemistry right away in this exhibition game, that's that's a nice sign. Um, Who's the most important player for Nebraska basketball this year? So I don't want to react to one game, but I'll put it this way. I think – Verge is the most important player for the team's floor. Can they consistently compete? Can they be good game in and game out? And that comes down to his decision-making. Is he forcing things? Is he a 39% shooter? Or is he what we saw yesterday where the balance was good between shot and pass? He was taking the right shots for the most part, um, and they were going in, and he was getting a lot of other guys involved and creating easy offense for his teammates. If that's the case, game in and game out, they'll have a chance to compete. Um, when we look at the floor, I'll put Bryce McGowan's as a guy. And he hasn't shown much too much. Um, I think he was a little nervous heading into the pro day. Um, he was kind of up and down and that um, didn't necessarily flash big time in, in that setting. And again, last night, um, he, he, he didn't steal the show by any means. Um, but I think as he continues to adjust to the college level, get stronger, kind of figures things out defensively a little bit more, uh, it gets that shot to start falling. He's, I think, the um, the ceiling raiser, whereas I think uh, Verge is a guy that will kind of establish the team's floor. Because you've got, uh, I think, defensively, Trey McGowan's um, will set the tone really good on the ball, and we'll see kind of offense where he'd probably be similar to what he was last year, where um, he's 10-point-a-game type of guy, 10-11, somewhere in that range, where um, he scores but isn't a guy that takes over on that end. You've got Derek Walker, who – um, be a good role player, good finisher. You've got some shooters. I think Bryce is a guy that has a chance to kind of step up and be 
um, a, a consistent plus score um, that you can uh, r- rely on for some big games. Whereas you got a lot of solid pieces that are more consistent uh, and reliable, I think around him. So that's how I'd answer. I think it's a combination of those two, um, one for establishing the floor and the other for raising the ceiling. Bryce just has to get used to those rims in PBA, man. Get used <laughs> to the rims and it's all over. Yeah, for or, sure. or, or uh, they will have a Lakers like adjustment period in which it is maddeningly long and they lose to some of the best, the worst teams in the league. Shout out. How Thunder. about that Carmelo shot? Man. Um, that was wonderful. That was absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, After, I'm sure you had flashbacks to his time at OKC. I did. I did. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> After watching, and the worst part about his time in OKC was that I uh, I was asking for him to get traded to OKC like a year before it happened, and and all of my friends back home, I could specifically think of one person that was always like, Derek, please stop talking. Shut up. No, we don't want this. And I was like, I think it, it, it might work. I don't know. It could work. It's one of the the you know one of those low risk things that you could try to do for a team like Oklahoma City who's never going to sign that guy in free agency it might work it didn't work so <laughs> for him work. to uh for, for him to miss that badly it was it was nice also it was weird seeing Russ get booed by the uh Thunder crowd um hey you, you gotta get your boy though like if you don't want them dunking at the end go get the ball like, yeah yeah <laughs> I I mean I understand I understand where Russ was coming from but at the same time like don't get punked by the youngest team in the NBA. Like that too, you know, so whatever. Um, I was going to ask you one more question. And then we got sidetracked by Thunder basketball. Well, that's your fault. We're coming. We're coming. When do they play the Suns? Is is it soon? Your tweet made it sound like it was soon. No, I I just wanted you and I to be able to, today have the bragging rights because the last day was the showdown of our four teams within our, our NBA channel at Hale varsity. Yeah. Um, your sons beat Steve's Kings. That Kings. did not happen. Oh, they, oh, they lost Harrison Barnes hit a game winner, uh, a ridiculous three at the buzzer. Harrison Barnes is averaging like 28 points to begin this NBA season. And like a 27 and 10 guy this year. It's absurd. Um, which is, which is interesting because one of the things that's been in the league, like one of the trends that that basketball analytics people are talking about to start the season is that offense is down a little bit. The games are more competitive. The games have been really, really fun to watch. And that is some people are attributing that to some of the rules changes in the off season. Um, here's a question that, that I was going to ask you if we had time, is there, is, is there a rule change? Like with the NBA last year, one of the things was like, the pump fake and then launching into guys when they're in the air. That was a dumb thing. Everybody kind of rallied behind. We need to get this out of, out of the game. Is there something in college basketball right now that you feel that strongly about that you think if you just tweak a rule here, um, you know, we can get more competitive games. We can get sort of, uh, you know, because basketball has, has started to trend towards more offense with the way that the defensive rules have been changed. Is there something that you want to see changed in college basketball, Jacob, that would lead to a more enjoyable viewing experience for you personally? That's tough off the top of my head. I'm sure uh, it'll come to me as I watch a game and something absolutely stupid happens. <laughs> I really do like the, the NBA's attempt to get foul baiting out of the game uh, because it's just brutal to watch and um, it's not basketball. And because of the way that the game 
the way it was being called, it was incentivized. Like you can't necessarily blame them too much because that's the best way to win at this point. Um, so I like, e- even if it comes with some, some hiccups where um, there's some judgment calls where actually, no, that probably should have been a foul, but um, uh, it, it, we thought it might've been something else. So we're not going to call it there. Um, I, I, I think it's worth the attempt to at least um, do what you can to, to get that out of the game and encourage guys to go try to make a shot. That, that's ultimately the goal of the game of basketball is to get the ball in the basket to try to make shots. And too often that wasn't a player's goal going into a possession. Um, so the next I, step is to get rid of the take foul and transition when the team turns uh, the ball over and uh, just fouls the guy at midcourt. Yeah, that's the next step. Get rid of that so that we can see transition basketball. And how often does it happen when the offense doesn't even really have numbers? It's just like you got like a three on three break and you just grab them at half court. It's like, yep. you just don't want to play defense. Yep. Like, and yeah, I a hundred percent with you. That is the next thing that needs to change. Um, honestly, that probably would have been simpler than what uh, the change they did make now. Um, but um, ho- hopefully there'll be some movement in that regard, but yeah, in terms of college right now, um, I, I don't think there's anything off the top of my head that I think, oh, that has to change. Um, but did you have anything in mind? No, I, I, I am curious about your thoughts on the EuroLeague goaltending strategy and whether you want to see that implemented more in American basketball. Not really. Um, I, I like uh, the ability to just l- let the shot go. And if you've got the touch and you can get the ball to roll in, um, then reward the shooters. Um, I, I know it's a, something a lot of people um, kind of harp on, but it's not one that like, if it happens, okay, so be it. But it's not necessarily one that I'm like, oh, this has to happen. I'm a huge fan of this. It is kind of what it is to me. That's fair. Um, I'm not going to ask you for any bold predictions. I will leave that for a, a column if you want to write it between now and November 9th when Nebraska plays its first first official game of the season. But I will ask you for that Western Illinois game. It's November 9th. It's Tuesday at home, 7 p.m. Who will the starting lineup feature for that game? I think it'll be Verge, McGowan's, McGowan's, Mann, and Walker. That's who I expected it to be um, last night. And I – I said, I don't know if there was if something, if somebody showed up late to uh, a meeting or something there with uh, with Verge coming off the bench. Hoiberg said, that's the decision that I made. Um, I don't really know what that's referring to. Um, it's kind of a weird way to put it. Uh, but he sat the first 341, came in the bench and completely changed the game. Um, so I, I think that'll probably be what it is. Um, and I think that lineup will be, will be pretty consistent throughout the year, uh, grant, uh, health granted. I think the question will be, all right, what does the bench look like? How many guys are involved? Do we go through stretches where it is a Kobe Webster stretch where he's playing three, four games in a row because you like what he's bringing? Is there an injury to somebody else? Um, do you go big and play Breidenbach next to Eduardo Andre off the bench? Because Andre looked pretty good. And again, he uh, Prue State was out uh, outmatched there when he was out there, but he looked pretty good and took advantage of his opportunities. So he, that's a viable, another option at center. You got three guys there you could, could potentially play there. So uh, I, I think I'd be, I think the starting lineup will look pretty, uh, will be pretty consistent. And I think that'll be it as long as everybody kind of does what they're supposed to. Uh, but the bench I think will be the, the most interesting part for me as the season plays out. Definitely. See how, uh, see how deep the rotation is. Well, Jacob, you have some stuff that you got to do. So you have to go. 
before you do, uh, I don't know where you're at in terms of the process of getting this out to the masses, but you have a project that you're working on. Um, and so I want to give you the floor here for however long you want to tease it or talk about it, or uh, I guess the floor is yours. Well, uh, if you enjoyed this conversation, then uh, uh, check back to the Hale Varsity Podcast Network in the near future because we will be making an addition. Uh, we're starting a basketball podcast. Uh, it'll be Jacob Biglow, former uh, Nebraska manager under Tim Miles and myself. Um, and we'll just chalk it up each week talking all things Nebraska basketball and kind of whatever else uh, in the hoops world um, kind of attracts our attention. So um, hopefully we'll be uh, recording the first episode soon. Hopefully that'll go live uh, before uh, the Colorado exhibition uh, if we can get this knocked out and, and then we'll uh, be pretty regular, hopefully with the show moving forward. So excited. We, Jacob and I have been talking about this for about a year and a half and we're finally making it happen. Is the name going to be loosely based around the fact that you guys are both named Jacob? Is there going to be a Jacob joke? Uh, yeah, we, I, I tried, uh, we spent a lot of time and I still don't know that we've totally uh, landed on uh, a name for it. That, that'll be part of the, the post-production after we get this thing recorded, I think. Uh, but I, I think it'll be tough. We could go that route, but I don't know that that'll be great for searchability and visibility. Um, as the podcast so um yeah we we thought about uh a few different things we we toyed around with it but also jacob is a hard name even two of them it's kind of a hard name to 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 play off of i I think um so probably not uh but yes it'll be two guys named jacob there's your podcast name right there (laughs) two guys named jacob all right man you gotta go thank you for coming on the podcast appreciate it can't wait for your new one yeah thanks We'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, keep reading LVRC.com. Keep listening to all the podcasts. Be on the lookout for Jacob's new show. Thanks, guys. A Huda Media Production.